0: Welcome to Software Security Chat Chat, episode 147 for the 14th of May, 2014. I'm Chester Wisniewski here with Paul Ducklin. Welcome back, Paul.
1: Hello, Chester. You get to some exotic places, but I believe at the moment you're in Toronto Airport.
0: Yes, it's a little less than exotic, although I have to say uh, a little bit more comfortable than the chairs down at the gate. Being in the lounge is quite nice, and I've carved out a little cubbyhole for people that are interested in seeing a remote chat chat i'll be tweeting a picture of my microphone laptop and and little corner uh cubbyhole i found here at the air canada lounge and and pearson airport so you can have a glimpse into what it's like to podcast from the road
1: the cupboard studio so if listeners hear a boarding announcement that's just a part and parcel of chester honest travels eh
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, one more week of this with pretty much every chat chat for the last few months has had uh, some sort of travel component. But um, next week, I'll be coming to you from our partner conference in Vietnam. So I'll be very excited to see all of our Asia partners uh, who have an opportunity to attend and join us for that. And uh, then after that, I'm in Vancouver for the summer.
1: That's great. Well, you're tight on time today, aren't you? So let's crack on.
0: Well, yeah, it's Patch Tuesday, as uh, you know, the Patch Tuesday just happened. We've got uh, a batch of patches. I know you had a chance to chat with Microsoft, who often are able to share some insights into things. I was looking through them. I think the, the IE fix uh, with remote code execution, of course, always catches my attention. Probably the highest priority one, right? Is that uh, MS14029?
1: That's right. That's quite interesting, because if you read some of the stories around it, it's telling you how it fixes two privately disclosed vulnerabilities and one publicly known one that's being exploited or has been exploited in the wild. Now, you can stand down from a pink alert there. The public vulnerability that's fixed is actually the dash 021, the you know infamous 1776 zero day that was patched uh, you know, with a, an out-of-band fix. That fix has actually been bundled in, subsumed, if you like, by this 029 fix
0: well so that's that's good news because i I know you know not everyone was able to get the of band uh deployed. there are two privately disclosed vulnerabilities, so even if you've already put o two one out on the network, you should still uh step up and make sure you get this one on i think as a priority
1: oh yes. it's 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 just that if you kind if you did it over o two one uh you'll automatically catch up now just by applying this o two nine uh just to keep it short, I'll say that most of the rest are EOP or elevation of privilege. Those usually only get an important rating. They aren't much use on their own to a remote attacker. But as you and I have said many times, given that there are some remote code execution holes and there may be holes in other applications that you have that might let a crook in, elevation of privilege vulnerabilities become extremely significant because it's a way of a guy getting in and then going up. So it can turn a user-level exploit, which might not give the attacker much power at all, uh, into an admin-level one, which is very, very much more severe.
0: Yeah, and we know that that's, uh, you know, when when the, quote, advanced attackers, as everybody likes to call them these days, but, you know, you you initially gain a foothold, but if you could turn that foothold into admin, it's a lot more powerful, so clearly that's important to the attacker. I was looking through the Adobe bulletins as well. Um, There was APSB14 and Dash 14 and 15 today. Uh, dash 14 affecting Adobe, I believe, Flash Player, and Dash 15 affecting Adobe Reader. There were six CVEs fixed in Flash Player and 11 CVEs fixed in Adobe Reader. Um, some of those uh, resulting in remote code execution. So, again, just like the Microsoft vulnerabilities, um, very high priority. And considering most of us have, at a minimum, Flash Player, even if we don't have Reader these days, because of PDF readers being integrated into browsers by default in a lot of cases. If you have those things out there, like most of us do, you got to get them fixed.
1: Absolutely. And it's not that controversial anymore when we say to people, try turning off Java in your browser and seeing how you go. Well, it's getting to the point that you can probably try turning off Flash as well. And you can do that with IE10 and IE11 and all the other browsers that I know of. You know, if nothing goes horribly wrong and the web still works for you as it used to, you may have saved yourself a great load of heartache.
0: While we're on the topic, Doc, I think uh, it's another important one to point out is Silverlight in that um, I had an opportunity to speak with uh, one of our principal researchers, Fraser Howard, when I was in the UK a couple of weeks ago. And Fraser pointed out to me that you know, in the last couple of months, there's been a large uptick in attacks against Microsoft Silverlight as well. And often people have Silverlight installed to watch their favorite, you know, uh, European football match or Netflix. That's almost never necessary at work. So if you have the ability to restrict Silverlight while you're thinking about turning off Java and Flash, you know, maybe turn off Silverlight as well since it is becoming a darling of the criminals, it looks like.
1: Oh dear, I guess I'm not a Netflix type. So uh, to the best of my knowledge, I don't have Silverlight. But it's probably worth going and checking to see whether it is there after all. Because it's possible that One installs it for one website that needs it and then forgets to remove it afterwards.
0: Exactly. So, uh, you know, it it might be a good spring cleaning uh, for those of us in the northern hemisphere. And I guess there's no such thing as autumn cleaning. But those of you in the southern hemisphere should just heed the warnings anyway. I I thought it was an interesting development this week when there was this uh, flaw, another uh, lock screen bypass flaw in Apple products. Uh, These things happen time to time, and it wasn't anything uh, insanely critical. I guess there was a bug in Siri that could allow you to potentially uh, extract people's contact information without authenticating to the phone.
1: I'm not sure I'd say that that's a terribly minor bug, Chester. Open the pod bay doors, Siri. Okay. You know, your contacts are supposed to be private. We've talked about this many times before that a lock screen is supposed to lock your device. I think people need to get out of the habit of having a lock screen where there's still loads of functionality enabled. So our recommendation is go into your iOS settings and say, don't allow Siri on the lock screen. We've got instructions on Naked Security about how to do that. It's a little bit less convenient, but by golly, it could save you some embarrassment. And it could also save somebody who just happens to pick up your phone when you're not looking, browsing through your personal contacts. Why would you want to allow just anybody to do that?
0: Yeah, I guess I, I wouldn't disagree with that. I was thinking from a more old school perspective of, you know, once you've lost physical possession, you know, kind of all bets are off. There's a lot of ways once you have physical access to something to defeat many different security uh, features and technologies. But more importantly to me was just that it seems like Apple maybe has turned a little bit of a corner. There was acknowledgement of the flaw. There was a promise that, of course, it'll be fixed in a future update, but, you know, with no no commitments necessarily to the precise date and time. but. That's a big move forward for Apple. I mean, normally there's zero acknowledgement of a issue or a problem or a bug or a vulnerability or anything like that from from the, the traditional Apple PR machine uh until the day they've actually fixed it.
1: In fact, it's stated in their it's stated as their policy. Apple does not comment on security fixes until they're done and dusted. So you never quite know what's coming and when, or even whether the problem exists or whether it's been confirmed. Um, but you're right, this is a welcome change. And it's the second time this year, isn't it? They did it over the uh, SSL bug as well. OS 10, wasn't it? Said, so, yep, you're right. We need to step on the accelerator pedal for this.
0: So I'm going to call second time a coincidence, but maybe if we see a third time, maybe it's a trend?
1: Yes, although there are still people after four or five times saying uh, Snow Leopard's still supported. So we'll never know. It would just be nice if they took that old policy about not saying a word until it's too late, tore it into little bits, and started doing what the rest of the world is doing. It would benefit all of us, and I think it would be good for Apple as well.
0: Well, it wouldn't be a chat chat if there wasn't at least one breach to discuss. And uh, I guess this week I'll pick Bitly. Well, Bitly hasn't really said for sure if there was a breach. They believe that account credentials may have been compromised, uh, and you should change your password, which. I can't disagree with that advice uh, in and of itself. If you're investigating something and you think that people's identities may be at risk, and and to me, my login and password for a website is a form of my identity, I do want to know about it. I do want to change it, uh, assuming they've made some kind of change to be sure it won't be stolen again or compromised again. But it was a little light on the details. Uh, What's your take?
1: That was certainly my thoughts and uh, why I wrote it up on Naked Security, taking their very brief statement, almost like they'd put it through their URL shortening service and just saying, look, guys, you could have said this, you could have done that, you could have done the other. The other thing that they did, which was made me smile and frown in equal measure, is that sometime after they announced this on their blog and put a little banner on their website. So when you went to log in, it said, oh, by the way, your credentials have been compromised.
0: Yeah, I like the little banner. That was a good notification, at least
1: few days after that, over the weekend, I actually got an email from them saying, hey, exactly the same information. They'd left out the stuff that I'd said on Naked Security that I didn't like. don't know whether they read Naked Security or whether they just read their own release and figured maybe we should be a bit less marketroidistic. So they didn't tell me how much they valued my security and all of that stuff when they were telling me that they'd made a mistake. The thing that they did do, and they're allowed to do it, but please guys, don't do it, is they had a link I could click in the email, which took me straight to the login screen.
0: Yeah, that's that's unfortunate.
1: I know it's convenient to have a link. I know there are people who won't bother to change their password if they can't do it easily. But it's almost as though they're saying, you know what, this is going to be as commonplace in our lives, fixing passwords, as clicking through without logging into some marketing material. And really... Password breaches are supposed to be the exception, not the rule. So if I have to jump through a couple of extra hoops to avoid setting precedents for fishes, I'm certainly willing to do that because I don't expect to be changing my passwords all the time.
0: Yeah, we are discussing six to nine characters here: b i t dot l y or bitly dot com. I mean, it's not uh, it's not a big crisis to type that in. And yeah, I'm with you there, but. Uh... Every little win, every company that learns a little bit more about how to do this correctly is a good thing. I hope that we hear later more details from them once they're able to share.
1: Absolutely. That's a really good point. You've made a mistake. You need to, in my opinion, to give an explanation as to why it probably or almost certainly won't happen again. Just saying, oh, we fixed it. I think users do deserve more information. Are not just for their own peace of mind, but exactly as you say, that it helps everyone else go back and think, Ooh, we didn't think of that. Let's go and fix our own problems.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And, um, and, and the last story that for this week was related to Snapchat. I guess they've made a settlement with the Federal Trade Commission in the United States suggesting the way people's privacy was being handled by their products that was not true and that the people behind Snapchat probably knew wasn't true, that perhaps they were kind of misleading people into believing there was more privacy and security than than there really was. Like a few other companies that have had privacy issues, Facebook and Google and others, they're kind of getting the big brother treatment for 20 years from the American government, saying we're going to hold you to this agreement of of taking this more seriously and being more open and honest with your users. And we're going to audit you for 20 years to be sure that you stick to it.
1: Yes, you know, it sounds like a slap on the wrist because there isn't a giant fine. But in some ways, it's better at saying, look, if you do what you're supposed to have been doing all along and you come and let us check, you know, that you're you're not breaking your parole conditions, as it were, then it'll all be fine. But we are going to check. And my understanding is that the FTC does check and therefore it does put the squeeze on for you to do what you should have done all along.
0: Yeah, I agree and, and one of the things I've heard people complain about is oh, it wasn't punitive enough. But you know, I find that these settlements actually can be better in that way and that it allows the FTC and the uh, American government to be stronger in their words and go you're going to agree to this strong terminology that actually is not very flattering to your company and we're going to use some very strong words to discourage others from making the same mistakes. And uh, you know, maybe that's I th- that's a good for society to have that balance.
1: When you think that companies like WhatsApp for example, have this valuation of $19,000 million, how big does the fine have to be for it to be punitive? And if the fine's big enough to be punitive, then you can argue there won't be any space left for them actually to go and fix stuff. So I agree with you, this may be a better way. You're saying, look, we're giving you a chance to not only reform, but maybe even to lead the way in the future. So let's hope it works out like that.
0: Well, b- before we wrap up, I want to thank the numerous chat Chat listeners who've come up to me at InfoSec Europe, at our partner conference in America, at many of the different events I've been on the road at doing these chat Chats the last six, seven weeks. It's really, really, really warms my heart to hear from everyone that they appreciate what you and I've been doing. And I want to congratulate you, Paul, on a great job in helping me edit and keep this thing on track with all my busy schedule and all this. And we want to encourage all of our listeners to continue to give us your feedback. We really appreciate knowing what you like, what you don't like, and and uh, ideas you have for the podcast, whether it's this one or the techno or the other things that we do. And it was nice meeting a lot of you in person. and And please share that stuff in the reviews on SoundCloud and on iTunes. It helps others find us. We we really appreciate that, and our bosses like it. So if you like what we're doing, you know, make our bosses happy and letting them know that you like it too.
1: <laughs> yes, and. For those of you who heard Chester mention techno and aren't aware of it, that's a kind of cousin podcast that we do where instead of talking about a range of current news issues and what we can learn from them, we pick one topic, like, for example, two-factor authentication, and do a 15-minute podcast where we dig into it in some detail, the what, the why, and the how. So if you have any ideas for stuff that you'd like to hear us cover, then we'd be delighted to hear those because it's always nice knowing that you're putting something together that people already want.
0: Yeah, and you can email tips at sophos.com with any ideas you might have. Um, I have to run to my gate, Paul, so I'm going to conclude this chat chat. Uh, Thanks for joining us for number 147. As always, for the latest security news, visit nakedsecurity.sophos.com. And for all of our podcasts, including the techno, you can go to soundcloud.com slash sophossecurity. And until next time, stay secure.
1: And bon voyage, Chester. You better run.